having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great. But having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. What's up, you guys? This is Maxime from the future. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up that today's episode features two really fun conversations. One with our boy, Connor Latorno, and another with our new friend, Nat Fluential. We had a great time talking with Nat Fluential about the opening night game against the Lakers as we bask in what looks to be another fantastic Warriors squad. If you're here for a nuts and bolts breakdown of the Pool and Wiggins extensions with Connor including what that means for Draymond's future and Connor's inside take on the whole thing, you'll find that segment right around an hour in. As always, whether you skip around or ride with us straight from the top, thanks for listening, and go Dubs. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Graham, with me per usual, my boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, I am fired up to announce that joining collectively all of us for the first time, <laughs> me in far too long, the host of the All Net podcast, a vociferous voice on Warriors Twitter, and a woman I just desperately tried to impress with the word vociferous. Mitz, <laughs> not fluential. What's going on, Nat? What's up? Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I'm not sure exactly what vociferous means. I'm just going to be honest with everybody here. So I hope I used it right. If I didn't save the comments, look, I've never told anybody I was that smart. And Nat, I should tell you, look, we need your taste today. I'm really excited to have you. Also, we owe you an apology. So, no. yes, yes, you do. You were a huge portion of our commemorative title podcast. Every time your voice came on, I got I brightened up, except oh. for when I listened to the beginning and realized I fucked up and didn't give you an intro. So my apologies for sure. All good. Thank you. You also, I think I was the only person, at least, where you included audio of me cursing. I was like, oh my God, I had to be the person with the potty mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I, I really, it's it, what made you my favorite guest. And also, as long as I'm being honest, I'm just going to blame Marcus. I feel like 100% it was Marcus's fault that we didn't throw you on the intro. So, MT, I mean, fuck you, man. I don't know why you did that. 
All apologies now. We appreciate you joining. And, oh, no, uh, it was, it was definitely Brad's fault. He was, he was being very vociferous with that decision. You know, I don't know what that means. That's not I me. Mean, why, why use words? I just told you I can't keep up with you, everybody. <laughs> let's jump in here. Let's talk a little bit of Warriors basketball. And let's start where we always do, the glass half full. Nat, this is where we look back at recent Warriors hoop. Give me something you like or didn't like. And I'll go first just to give you guys some time to think here. Something I liked, depth. You know, I'm not coming out with something entirely new. This is what all Warrior fans are talking about right now. But the depth of this team is bananas. Uh, Kerr likened it to the 2015 title team. Curry said he doesn't envy Kerr because he has no idea how the hell he's going to get all these minutes in. So it makes me excited. And I'll give you something I don't like, depth. So I'm in a little tongue-in-cheek here, but one of the things I was really excited about watching is the maturation of these young guys. One of them, for example, Moody. You know, we thought they're going to get the kind of minutes you need to grow into this star. And at least based on that first game, there's so much talent. There's so many options that that's not necessarily true. You know, I don't think Moody got more than like 12 minutes in that opener. So something I both liked and didn't. Nat, why don't you go second? Sure. Um so what did I like? James Wiseman. Um, I'm just so happy for him. And he just looks like night and day, right? Like a completely different player. And I'm definitely not one of the fans who was like down on him and thought like, that's it. Like, we're not going to get anything from him. But just to see how far he's come, he looks confident out there. Um, and there were some things that surprised me, like in the pre- preseason game, but even like in game one. And he just like he's reading the court better. Um, I like the little two-man game that's developing between him and Poole. Um, he's rebounding. You know, there's still some stuff he needs to work off, work on on the defensive end, but I'm just really quite pleased with his progression. So, And what I did not like, um, there was a lineup. I don't remember the exact five players on the court, but I know that, like, Wiseman, I want to say Kaminga, and maybe Jermichael Green were, like, out there with a couple of other guys, and I was like, yeah. uh-uh, I don't. Like, they didn't score for, like, two minutes. There was no spacing. I was like, mm-mm, Kerr. <laughs> this in the bud. So I did not like that. <laughs> I don't know if you listen to this pod enough to know how crazy I am, but I'm filled with neurosis. One of those neurosis, if I have a party, I spend most of it looking around at the people who aren't having fun. And then I feel like responsible for them. You know, like I go over and talk about them. All of the first year when Wiseman was playing, it felt like I was watching somebody not having fun. You know, like I wanted to go right. on the court and like hug him and like, no, you're fine. And this is working out. And that's done. You know, the, the watching that I mean, all of the changes you just described, 100% true. But the mentality, he looks like he actually enjoys being out there, which is so great. You know, it's, it's such a night and day uh, experience. Boys, what do you got? Um, uh, something I liked was that at no point did I feel like we were going to lose that game, even when they started coming back um, or closing it you know, down from 26, 27, it, it still never felt like the Lakers were truly in it. And it was a, it reminded me of, of the runs we've had, where it's like, you know what, we're going to win this game. And it's, you know, there's no real question about it. So I, I loved that feeling again. What I didn't like similar to Nat was that there were stretches when Steph was off the floor and, you know, Clay's on minute restrictions. So we have to take it with a little grain of salt, but there were stretches where, you know, it reminded me also of those times where if Steph isn't on the court, we struggle on offense and we're way too deep of a team to have that issue. And, you know, it's the first game, so we need to still work in Dante and Jamichael and figure out what our rotations are. But um, 
I just, you know, the fact that Steph and Wiggins had to check back in is never a good sign. We should have been able to keep that lead and and let them rest the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, that stat padding thing. It went from like, all right, LeBron's going to get his 30 or whatever. You know, he's working towards passing Kareem. And then it got a little closer than it should have. And they did. You're right. They brought him back in. Maxime. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I'm surprised that we made it this far without having a standing ovation for Jordan Poole in that I felt like there were moments where he was dropping threes and I felt honestly as confident as when Steph is shooting threes. And it felt really good to start to get to a place where I can trust him, you know? I mean, we all know that there are issues still on the defensive end, but you can see him, we're starting to be able to trust him as a playmaker and not just a scorer. And that has me really, really excited. Ah. His his floor leadership too, right? I mean, the, the the confidence that he showed out there, and it's a weird thing to say because all we've done is praise JP. You know what kind of a fan we are of him. But he looked like a real legit point guard. And I, I'll say, I, it shouldn't make me happy, but when he gave that pocket pass to Draymond, that that uh, that backdoor when he reached him and they scored on it, you know, I mean, all of us are watching their relationship as closely as we can. And I was basically like, oh, they're best friends. Look, he's passing to them. They're fine. <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I think this is a thing with Steve Curry. You can see him start to trust him without having a point guard next to him um, as of this season. So very exciting. On the other end, though, a couple of things. One, uh, Kaminga giving me a minus four in my fantasy league. I picked him up as my 13th roster spot. Not great. Not not great. Not something that I love there. The other thing, I think, you know, we got to at least talk about it a little bit. It was some of the posturing that was happening between Draymond and LeBron, you know, I know there was that video going around. You saw them on the side of the court. Draymond's on the bench and like LeBron comes over in the middle of the game and the posturing, not just from the two of them, but also from the rest of the bench. Uh, I, I think we saw, I can't remember. Yes. Uh, a beat writer was saying, man, there, it is the most uncomfortable I have ever seen the uh, relationship between Draymond and the rest of the Warriors ever. And that is, uh, that's not great. That does not bode well for this season when we need um, the entire roster to be firing on all cylinders to get another chip. I think it was Anthony Slater who said that. Right. Um, and we've got a, a Draymond LeBron question coming down the line. So I'll save it. Instead, Natalie, I need your advice. So let's rewind this. All right. Rewind it about a year. I've got a fantasy league that's been going forever. Um, we had an open spot. And so I turned to Maxime. Oh Love Maxime. Haven't had him forever. And, you know, it was like, hey, dude, join the league. And he thinks about it. And then ultimately says, like, look, I don't really play fantasy basketball. It causes too much stress. Like, I'm out. I don't want to do it. It's not what I said. And then if we rewind the clock, maybe 30 seconds, this fool is apparently playing fantasy basketball right now. So, I mean, should I be upset by it? Because it feels like I'm getting stabbed in the back on live television. Yeah, he sort of slighted you, right? Like, he didn't want to join your fantasy. And then, like, he's doing it. So, yeah. I don't know. I give him the side eye. Uh, okay, I'm trying. I don't. This it's a new recording medium here, so I'm not. I'm not sure how to do it, but that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I, I this is absurd. There are two sides to every story. All right, and we don't need to get into the details of it. But I'm getting thrown out of the bus over here, so I'm the one side eyeing. All right, vociferously. I'm, I'm just telling you right now. I am hurt, um, and I also forgot some housekeeping. So I mentioned it's a new. Uh, a new video platform we're using here. We are trying out a YouTube channel. We're going to be launching it. This is kind of our maiden voyage. And I'll just tell you, Nat and everybody, although you guys already know it, it makes me nervous. Like, I'm not sure exactly who's watching. And what's making me in particularly nervous is I forgot my hat today. And I feel like my hat makes me look younger. And I don't have it now. And so, like, it's ever since we hit record, I've been kind of weird about it. I feel like my right eye looks a little bit bigger than my left eye, too. So, this it's been a... It's been a difficult start, and then I found out a good friend of mine told me to fuck myself with my fantasy league. But, you know, I digress back to the Warriors, and we're going to our golden questions. Um, this, Nat, is our mailbag, and I'm going to throw MTU the first one. They write in, quote, 
are the Warriors this good or are the Lakers that bad? Ooh, um, I'm going to say both. I think the Warriors are, um, you know, showing that they're in midseason form already, which is great to see. Um, definitely the top of the West, you know, between the Clippers and if the Nuggets get it together, they looked terrible. Um, but, you know, I, I assume it'll be the Warriors, Clippers, and Nuggets kind of vying for that. Maybe the Suns if they hold it together. But um, the Lakers just look bad, too. Like, I don't – outside of, of AD and, and LeBron, Russ is just kind of going through the motions. And then the rest of that that roster just doesn't really make a lot of sense. So um, I think – they're bad. I think they're fighting for the a playing game, but um, you know the West is deep this year. Um, New Orleans was not playing; they gave it to the Nets. So um, you know we'll see how deep the West goes if it's you know seven to eight teams versus five to six. But um, I think the Lakers are bad and the Warriors are good. Full said the roster doesn't quite make sense. If they surrounded LeBron and AD with three of these pens, they would be a much better team than the one that we saw on opening night. Nat, what do you think? Warriors this good or the Lakers that bad? Um, I have to co-sign MT. I was like, it's, uh, it's definitely both. I mean, the Warriors are this good. Like, I don't even think they played like maybe a B minus game, right? Like it wasn't even like their best game. They definitely were like not that interested. You talked a little bit about like, you know, it was not ideal for stuff to come back in, but it was literally like, all right, let's stop playing. LeBron had his little time to stat pad. Like, I'm just going to come in and end the game. And like, that's what happened. Like when they just feel like focusing, that's it. It's done. It's a wrap. And so um, they look good um, and they are definitely that good. Uh, I do not think the Lakers are very good. I think they're going to be a play-in team again. So um, it's just whether if they're going to be in that like 7-8 play-in spot or 9-10, and I think they could be in that later play-in spot. Yeah, I, I'm just going to follow suit. The Warriors look rusty. They looked a little out of shape. They look like they still have to figure out their rotations, and they also looked awesome. So they looked very good. And the Lakers, I'll say this in a different way. LeBron's in like year 50, you know? I mean, he's year 20, right? He's been doing it for – they know – what rosters succeed around him. Normally speaking, he's the GM. He barrels his way to the rim, and then he kick it out to the shooters. They don't have any shooters. There are no shooters on that team. And so the, the roster construction makes no sense. Maxime, I'm going to change the question a little bit. Yeah. So Westbrook is just catching shit everywhere. Laker fans, non-Laker fans, TNT, local broadcasts. You watch basketball, you have a negative opinion on Westbrook, right? He also has an unassailable resume, probably a Hall of Famer. You know, he, he averaged a triple-double. If you were Westbrook and you had that past, but all these people were shithousing you everywhere, would you be able to fight through that? You know, like, would you use it as motivation or do you think all the outside criticism would beat you down? First of all, we don't need the probably qualifier. Westbrook is definitely a Hall of Famer. Has there ever been an MVP that didn't make it into the Hall of Fame? And deservedly so. The dude is an amazing basketball player. He absolutely does not fit on this squad whatsoever. I mean, you saw it in that opening game. He still got his points. You know, I think he actually played all right. But he made a comment because Darvin Ham played him off the bench in the preseason. And he said, oh, yeah, that's why I, like, pulled my hamstring or whatever. That's Like, that's ridiculous. I get that people have their routines that they get used to. And he's been starting for so long that uh, he's not, a, you know, he didn't know what to do with himself, as he said. But, you know, I think really the issue here is that he has no context for for how to operate in this offense. And so, yeah, I would be, if I'm him, 
you know, understanding what armchair psychology over here, right? He's the type of person that uh, creates narratives as much as anybody else in the league for what's working and what's not to get where he needs to go. And this dude absolutely um, is creating the type of narrative that is working in the wrong direction for what this sure. Lakers squad needs. That shit would bury me. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm weak mentally in thousands of different ways. And one of them, I've always been better if I play with people who already know I'm good. You know, if, if I sit on a court and there's a bunch of people who already believe in me, jumper falls a little bit easier. I'm making the right moves a little bit better. I'm a little bit better on defense. And then the opposite, if, you know, if I don't know a group of people or they already think that I don't belong and I can't shoot and this roster doesn't make any sense, I'm going into myself, you know, um, and I'm not an NBA guy and I'm sure Russ has a much stronger mentality, but it just be hard. Uh, let me, well, let's get a sense of you, Nat. We haven't really explored your personality. That's you. Would you fight through it? Because some people, you know, it's motivational. Um, but for me, like I just said, it would make me weak. If I'm Russ? Yeah, if you're in that situation and everyone is is just, you know, publicly taking shots at you, motivational or does it cut you down? Yeah, I mean, for me, like as an individual, individual, it would motivate me. For Russ, I, you know, I would hope it motivates him, but he seems to get more defiant Right. So by it. So I don't know if it's motivation or like his sense to like defy may almost be hurting himself and the team. So I'm not really sure where he yeah. is, but um, it would definitely motivate me. Like, yeah, I'm gonna prove y'all wrong. Like, that's how I am. <laughs> I'm crying in the corner. Too. Like this dude, we're slandering his name. This dude averaged a triple double. Not once. He did it three seasons in a row. And then came back a couple years later after that and did it again. He's done it four seasons in a row. And last season, he averaged 18, 7, and 7. Like, if you told any team, like, your starting point guard will get you 18, 7, and 7, do you want that person? They'll be like, yes. You know, so it's it's crazy that he gets all this hate from all these different sources when he's really, you know, still a legit player. He cannot shoot at all, and the jump shot has only gotten worse. So he needs to figure out how to change his role. But the fact that he's still putting up those numbers, to me, just lends itself to this unwarranted slander for how far he's dropped off. He hasn't dropped off that far yet. He's leaning he into it a little Dropping bit. off from a triple-double. Yeah. I tend to disagree with that. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, Yeah, I mean, like, it's like same thing like Braun putting up those numbers and we people just keep saying like, oh, he's doing it the impact isn't the same. Like Russell Westbrook is completely inefficient, right? So the fact that he's tallying those numbers, it's not helping in the flow of the offense. So like he's getting it, but it's in a much like less efficient way and it's not having impact on winning. Like when he had that first triple double season, you also saw the impact. It was actually helping the team win. So like to me, it's not really about the triple double and the raw stats. It's about like, how are you impacting the team with winning? And he's not, and he hasn't been for some time now. So like those triple doubles, at least for me, like they're meaningless, right? Like that's when stats can mislead. Um, so he's obviously still like very athletic and I think there are ways to still use him. Right. But he plays one type of way. He has like a, sort of tunnel vision when he's on the court and he's going to keep doing that. And he doesn't really seem very open to like changing things. I mean, he's openly said like, I don't watch film. So, I mean, 
I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not like a pro rust person. I'm not going to say he's a bad player, but I think like there's some areas where he needs to improve. I just tried to hedge against his Hall of Fame uh, stature. And, <laughs> I, and I'll tell you what, if you're looking for the fast track to multiple invites onto this show, shithouse Marcus as often as you can. So nicely fucking played. And I mean, I'll say th those stats in a lot of senses were empty calories. And the other thing I'll push back a little bit on MT and tell me if I'm wrong. It, it, the slander is 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 fairly unwarranted. But that the footage that came out showed him not joining the pregame huddle. Where, you know, I don't know if it was a preseason game or whatever it was, but the, the Lakers were all huddled up and he purposely didn't go over there. He knows all the criticism that's coming at him. And for him to have not done that, you're leaning into the slander a little bit. I mean, he, he knows everyone's there. But, you know, I, I digress. Let's push this back to the Warriors and go back to a scene that Maxime mentioned so a clip went kind of viral I, I don't even know when it was i didn't see it during the game but lebron is on the warrior side of the court draymond is out of the game he's over on the bench but lebron sees him and because they're friends he goes over towards the bench and draymond comes out and they fraternize aggressively you know they, they show that they're friends and then there were some hand gestures from iggy that i'll i'll leave to anybody who wants to go and uh, and look it up um and so let me hedge just by saying if that were me I would suck up to LeBron in a way that would make everybody feel awkward. Like if he came over there, I'd be so happy that he did. And I'd like casually mention to anyone who was within earshot that, oh, by the way, LeBron and I are best friends and we danced at my wedding. Like I'd, I'd point all of that out. But when you saw that footage of LeBron and Draymond doing their little back and forth, did it bother any of you or, you know, who cares? I'm sorry. I already spoke out of turn once. I don't no, want to do it. true. No, you're <laughs> that. Far away. Yeah, I found that shit annoying. Like, but I find all of the like LeBron, like extra praise and constant shit, it's annoying. <laughs> and um, I, in my opinion, I think Dre is like overcompensating a little bit. Like, and when I say that, I mean in the sense of like trying to show like he's really good. This isn't phasing him. Yeah. Like the green suit, the yep. just like even for Dre, it's just like a bit much. It's like, I need you to just tone down a bit. Dude, it's like um, that Memphis response. Remember when he got kicked out of Memphis in the yes. playoffs? And he did the, like, oh, right. this like, means nothing. He's just doing the most. He's doing <sighs> the most. So, like, I think the looks on the bench and hand gestures, I think, like, <laughs> it, it, the, we know how the team feels about it. <laughs> I could not tell. I could not feel more uncomfortable in that moment. You know, I like I've been in situations, I used to teach kids, and I remember seeing them in situations, the overcompensation of him like falling back in laughter, you know, is like clearly dude was compensating. And I, that coupled with the weird ass documentary that aired before the game that was like already making me feel real uncomfortable and cringe about what Draymond was doing. Like those are the only things that stand out for me from when he was in the middle of those of the stripes Dude played a great game of basketball, right? But that's not what I'm remembering at all. I'm remembering all these awkward moments. He's shooting himself in the foot. He's making the situation worse. And this is what we're talking about now. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine if he had a media director, they would say, you know what they need to see you do right now? Play basketball. Nothing else. No TNT yes. shots, no expensive suits, no flirtation things with LeBron. Just remind them who you are on the floor and nothing else. Um, and we couldn't hear what the hell was said between LeBron and Draymond, but I'll tell you what, just from the body language, you could tell the power dynamic within the relationship. It's exactly what you said. I've, I have been there. I have done that. I have, I have laughed way too hard for people whose attention and respect I want. And so I don't know, I haven't talked to either of them, but the body language 
screamed exactly that. Let's move off the Lakers, you guys. Uh, here is our next question. Quote, the Warriors' depth this year is not only legit, it's legendary. Please consider these matchups. And then they give us a couple matchups. Let me pause to say, I don't know if it's the stuff of legend quite yet. I mean, they've played only one game, but, you know, maybe, maybe it will be legendary. Here is the first matchup they give us. Could Golden State's second unit, so what, uh, DiVincenzo, Jordan Poole, Kaminga, Wiseman, and Jamichael, who are we saying? Moody, who's, who's the five that we're saying there? Um, we'll, we'll make that fifth one interchangeable. Could they beat Utah's starting five right now? What do you guys think? Who is Utah's starting five? I'm not that familiar with them. Case in point. <laughs> Colin Sexton is there, right? I think he's coming off the bench, though. I think. Is he? Yeah. Here, I pulled it up. Mike Mark- Conley. Well, this, this is what ESPN has. Conley, Jordan Clarkston, Lori Markinson, or Markinen, Jared Vanderbilt, and Kelly Olynyk. I say yes. Oh, I'll go first. Yes. Absolutely yes. Also, factor in that Utah's trying to lose, although they, they just beat Denver. Um, I was going to say, they did a terrible job of that. I mean, I mean, you know, that shows how bad they are. They can't even lose on purpose. <laughs> Um, could they beat them? I think so. I think it would be a close game. I mean, like those are established NBA players. Um, even if like a lot of them were kind of like role players, but not all of them. And like are they even- legends though, Nat, because this, this second unit is legendary. I don't know if you're factoring that in. It doesn't look like your facial expressions factoring in that these are legends. I mean, look, he's like of like a vet vet but like you still have someone like mike conley out there like like they're like he's gonna know the things that like some of the young guys still have to learn you know so it's kind of that like experience versus like just their their sheer youth and athleticism and stuff like that so i think it would probably be a pretty close game and either side could win but i i don't know that i'm comfortable just saying like yeah they got that because you still have like some smart high iq guys over there yeah, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek question. And the second that you give it like real analysis, it does fall apart a little bit. But it won't stop me from asking this next tongue-in-cheek question. The second one was, could this Warriors second unit make the playoffs in the East? And I, I read this one a while back, liked it so much that I turned it into a fact. I tweeted this out. Fun fact, the Warriors could probably make the playoffs in the East. And it made a lot of people angry. A lot of people. I got a lot of feedback. Um, telling me how stupid I was and had no idea. And then a lot of likes. We got some, you know, we got some interactions with it. Uh, but Maxime or Marcus, could they? What do you think? Are these guys, is that second unit a playoff team in the Eastern Conference? Nah, and and I and I think it I think we should recognize that the East is stronger than it's been in a long time. Maybe Were you one of the people who answered my tweet, because that's exactly what they get pointed out to me. It was I knew it, dude. I knew it. When you weren't spending time screwing me on my fantasy league, you're just dropping shit housing online. Yeah, me and KD are competing for the number of the top number <laughs> of burners on Twitter. So that was all me. Yep. I cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's that's it, man. That's it. I think this you, there's there's a lot of respectable teams. You got the Bucks, you know, Philly, Toronto, uh, Miami. Even uh, it's just you know, I think top to bottom, almost there's not as many jokers as there used to be. MJ. Yeah, I agree with Maxime. Adding to that list, you know, Brooklyn, uh, the Celtics, uh, Cleveland, uh, Atlanta. Uh, you know, those are all good good teams. Um, I think probably one through 10, the East is deeper than the West, but um, you know, like I love our team and you know, they're, 
they're the future, but you're not going to go in there and, and beat a group of, of veterans like that. Like, it's just, it's like saying when they say, oh, Alabama's football team can go beat a, the worst NFL team. It's like, no, you, you know, like simmer down a little bit. These aren't collegiate players. That's not fair. You know, I mean, the, the, the second unit has, DiVincenzo is an established guy. Uh, Kaminga has a championship, I'll have you know, as does Wiseman. These guys aren't completely <laughs> ridiculous, you know, that I... I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, but I don't think it's totally out of control. And we'll save this for a question down the line, but I definitely don't agree that the East is deeper than the West this year. I think that that is not true at all. We you, do you've been wrong before. Chance. That's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm ignoring MT. Nat, what were you saying? I was going to say, we do see what the championship pedigree brings. Look at David Lee. I mean, um, Damian Lee. He saved the Suns last night. So, you know. <laughs> When you know Chris Paul could that? not. Sorry, Sorry, I look for every minute to slander Chris Paul when I get I love, it. I saw you doing that on Twitter and loved it. Uh, and I also like the idea that, like, I would imagine to become a real solid mole, like a great undercover guy to destroy someone from the inside, you first have to gain their trust. So step one for Damian Lee. That a boy, D. Lee. Get in there and then start being your normal, fairly incompetent self. And let's see how this thing plays out. Uh, I, yeah. For those watching on YouTube, I take that back. I love Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. To our next question quote please tell maddie stats to take his notepad out and protect the next or predict the next nine games so nat uh there's a listener who is nice enough to pay attention to what we're saying write down our predictions and then at the end of the year actually gives us percentages so we do you know predictions but there's some stakes on them if we are wrong we uh wallow in how stupid we were so this is one of those times i've got our next nine games so i'm gonna give them to you you guys tell me if you think it's going to be a win or a loss. Yeah. Next one. Nuggets at home. I say win. 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 Yeah. Boys, you agree? Win. Loss. Oh. Kings at home. Win. win. Suns win. at home. No, win. sorry. Suns on the road. When? When? Oh, uh, what about what about Damian Lee though? Exactly, <laughs> he'll be back in our team there. <laughs> I think I think for Maddie stats, I think that's the loss. I think we're three and one at that point. Okay, there you go. Heat at home. When? When? I go win. Yep. Hornets on the road. When? I agree. Yeah. When? The next game is a back to back, right? Yep. Is it like? Ooh. 
I think they're losing one of those two games. Okay. I just don't know which one. Pistons. Um, Pistons on the road is that next one. I'm going to say a, a loss to Charlotte, a win in Detroit. I don't know. I'm really not sure, but it's one of those two that they're losing. Maddie Stats put mine in bold. Win on both. Uh, heat on the road. I'm going to go loss on that one. Win. Yeah, win. I think we all know what I'm going to say. Win again. I'm going big optimism here. Magic and uh, New Orleans on the road to finish it out. Um, I think they're going to lose one of those. Uh, I'll say... New Orleans, because New Orleans looks in particularly motivated, and I think they give a shit about the regular season. Yeah, I agree. I think they win Orlando, and but they haven't traditionally played well in Orlando. They always struggle for some reason, but um, I think they still win, even though Bon Carroll looks like he's the real deal. Um, but I think they win against the Magic and agree. I think they lose against Zion. Let's do this the quick way. At you know, they play ten games. What's the record after ten? Because I think this team is going to start off hot again. I think we're looking at another year because of the way the schedule worked. And we're, we're getting some home games. And even though we're on the road, we get some beatable teams. I think they're going to start off 8-2. and two, And I think that's, that's my record, continue. too. Yeah. 8-2, um, that's what I have. Yeah. I got 7-3. Next game? Yeah, 8-2. and two. Play like a downer noise for uh, MT's 7-3. and three. Like when, when we go back and, and do any of the post-edit here. Here's our next question. A, tr- a truthful downer noise of, of amazing <laughs> being right. Whatever it is, don't allow it to be amazing. I don't know how we're going to avoid that, but do not allow it to be amazing. Quote, while the media continues to talk about Draymond's punch, there doesn't seem to be much news on the witch hunt for the person who leaked the video. What do you think that person is doing or thinking right now? So I love the idea of the day in the life of the video leaker. And what I like about it is that it's basically someone who now has to live their life like an undercover agent. You know, if they are discovered, they are screwed. And so I would imagine you're sitting there at work and every time you get an email, you're tripping balls. You know, like if, if it's like from the Warriors, like, oh my God, they know. And you, you're opening it up super slowly. Or you go to like the break room and you see everybody in there and, you know, they think they finally have you and you fire off an admission and they're like, dude, it's Steve's birthday. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, settle down. So I would imagine that person's life is a nightmare right now. Uh, Do you guys agree? Are you guys angry at that person? Give me a video take here. Yeah, you know, I feel like a person that has a conscience conscience would like react with the way you're describing. I totally can see that. But like, without me knowing this person's motivation, like the fact that they were like capable and able to sell the TMZ like if they were like driven because like they just have like real financial issues then yeah I think it's of someone who's going to be feeling the things you do yeah. like they're totally scared they're paranoid yeah. but this is someone's like I'm trying to get paid then I think they have no conscience and they really don't give a fuck and so they probably like whatever yo you catch me whatever bro <laughs> you know? they're just they're just making it rain in their house like not giving a single shit um, 
I yeah, would I think um, by house, I think they're on a small private island somewhere. Didn't it, did it ever get confirmed that it was the the money was two point eight million? That was the number that was floating I don't around. Know. But I know if they spend anything, they get caught immediately. You know, you show up and you're like in a new jacket or you have a new house or you're in a new car. People are gonna know if you don't show up. People are gonna know if you show up too aggressively. People are gonna know. Like you'd have to live your life in this really specific lane, and unless you got paid ask tons of money or, or you have, you know, you're, you are, you're morally uh, bankrupt. Um, this has got, it's gotta be a, a tough life to, to play out. I think man, yeah. they, I, at the same time. Okay. First of all, if you're getting paid 2.8 million, bro, move to Bali and you're good, <laughs> right? There's no reason to come back to work. You're done here. You're done. Right. If it's, if it's the other end of the spectrum, I heard he's like, Oh yeah. TMZ probably paid like 10 K for that. If it's 10 K that's, you're not having a nice time. You're not <laughs> having a nice time. The, the advice I'd give that person. So, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney and every now and again, when we have a case and it has a fact that we don't like, we talk about it first. You, you tell the story first, because if they do it, they're going to tell it in the worst possible way, right? We call it a race to disclosure. So advice to that person, reach out, get, you know, somebody in the media, tell your story. You know, if, if this was like, oh, my mom's sick and we couldn't pay for the treatment and I just, we needed like, you need something here because they're going to catch you. Newsflash. They are going to catch you. And so you may want to hedge against this Bram, before they do. We got a, a YouTube commenter saying it's reported to be 120K. And I just want to point out what, if that's correct, that money goes a long way in Bali. So even at 120K, consider it. Consider it. <laughs> Who knew that Maxime had such a Bali interest? I feel like at some point you are definitely going. I'm starting to feel like you may have been the person who leaked the video. If you show up in, in Bali at some point, man, we know exactly what's up. Damn it. <laughs> Just check, just say you're fired from the podcast. If he doesn't care at all, it was Maxine. Yeah, boom. There you go. <laughs> Quote, if you win an NBA championship, how often would you wear your ring? So don't answer. Judgment feeder will guess on everybody. Start with me. I won an NBA championship. You know, would I be demure? Would I only wear it like the Hall of Fame, you know, things I go to and like occasional dinners with other teammates or – you know, am I wearing it on Bart? What do you guys think? What's the guess? Okay, hold up. Demure? I wasn't <laughs> that, sure about that one either. Wow. I, I was really, and I tried to say it fast. So then like, I was hoping we'd just move on and it didn't, yeah, it didn't really play. Well, see that, that kind of makes me feel like you're more likely to wear the ring because that's like, you know, I'm using big words. I'm in big social clubs, whatever. I feel like you would be wearing it a lot, except, except that, you know, you're Oakland, born and raised, right? And there are certain situations <laughs> where, you know, like you don't want to show up in certain areas blinging super hard because that could be a sketchy environment, right? So I think you sort of temper that based on the environment that you're in. You're wearing it when you can, but you're also being pretty careful. I'm not wearing the 20 billion. For those who aren't watching uh, on the YouTube, but you didn't see is, as I said, Demir, I used my slightly larger eye to wink at Maxime. So I think it went, okay, what's your guys' guesses? Am I... Wearing it all the time, just occasionally? What do you think? I don't think you're wearing it on Bart, but I think you're going to wear it like sometimes unnecessarily where you don't need to wear it just to like be extra. For I, like sure. you, I like you, Nat MT. <laughs> you know me the longest. What do you think? I think you wear it everywhere, even to sleep. And when you're in those sketchy neighborhoods or on Bart, you just spin it underneath your hand and keep your fist <laughs> closed tight. But I don't think that thing comes off because you're like, I'm just going to wear it until it's not mine anymore. 
I would wear that motherfucker in the shower. If I was the third string janitor and they gave it to me, I'd wear that shit to bed. Just like you said, there would be no, I mean, with the exception of the, I might get jacked portions of my life, you know, <laughs> then it comes off. But if well, it's just a matter of like classiness, it's never off. I'm it's constant. Good news. Uh, they offer replicas that you can buy for only $10,000 right now. <laughs> yeah. so, for only. That's yeah, exactly. great. Yeah. It would be like the fucking Lord of the Rings. I'd have that shit on a, on a chain around my neck like at all times, but it would just be out showing it to everybody. Uh, let's guess for Maxime. Um, my guess for Maxime, I say yes, but understated. He wears it. But like, isn't showing like I'd be like leading with my hand all the time for no reason, like shaking people's hands, you know, consistently, even when I didn't need to. I feel like Maxime would wear it in the occasional scenario when he didn't need to, but wouldn't overplay it. So, you know, like a 60 percent wearage rate, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I'm, oh, I, are we? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Nat. Oh, I was going to say, like, I didn't know when I was supposed to jump in. Um, Judge him. I haven't gotten like a gauge on like enough on his personality. So I'm going to say, I, yeah, probably something similar to what Bram said. Like, I don't, you don't strike me as the type who's just going to like overdo it. So like, I think you'll wear it when it makes sense. If it does, you know, like if there's something where it's appropriate, like, oh, this would be a good time for me to bring out the the, the ring. You will. But I don't, I don't see you like being like, I'm just going to rock this every day. <laughs> What I love about that answer is you and I have only talked one time before this and you knew for sure. You weren't like, you know what, Bram, I'm not really sure. You're like, oh, he's extra. No, there's no, I don't. Everywhere. MP, what's your guess for Maxime? Yeah, my guess is Maxime is is more demure about it and he, uh, he, he only wears it sporadically. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think he brings it out only on the rarest of occasions when he has to to go re-up the tree climbing card license or, or you know, the important stuff. He, he takes it off at least for when he scales trees. Maxine, what's the answer? Okay, so first of all, right, I got my like championship hat, which I think is the dopest and I never wear it. And my wife's like, why don't you ever wear your hat? It's like, cause I don't want it to get scuffed, right? So what, Nat, you're dead on, right? I'll wear it in classy occasions when I know that, that things are gonna be chill and I'm not climbing any trees or whatever. Um, but I gotta say, this is the perfect time to just tell this story, which is that I, I won't name any names, but a, uh, a Bay Area sports team affiliate, somebody high up enough to get a ring was uh, re- uh, last year chilling out and happened to be at the coffee table next to my mom. And uh, started hitting on her by oh. by showing her the ring and saying, "Hey, like you want to take this ring with an implication oh. that it would come oh with uh, some God. strings attached." So uh, I'm just saying, there's the whole gamut of taking advantage of the. Is Bob Fitzgerald? Is Bob Fitzgerald? That's my guess. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. <laughs> That's an incredible story. <laughs> Let's uh, that's the next off the court report, Maxine. <laughs> let's get your mom on, man, for sure. Uh, <laughs> let's jump the gun and go to Nat. I'm gonna guess first. I think you're closer to me. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you wear it all the time. It's not a shower move. It's not like an in bed move. Like it would be separable. But I think, like you know, if we're using that sixty percent, I think you're closer to like eighty five. I, I like anything where it would be somewhat allowable. It's there. Not as aggressive of me, but it's there for sure. So that's uh, that's my perspective on this one. Do others go before I say what oh, I? Oh yeah, yeah. Don't don't okay. reveal it yet. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna go. Um, 
not only wears it when there's an audience. So um, she does, you know, lives like this or there's basketball related scenarios. I don't think she wears it outside of that because she's just like, you know, like it's, it's, it's not that important to be flashy. She's like, okay, you know, like I earned this and I'll show it where it's applicable, but to the people who don't care, like, she's fine with that too if i did it on recordings i'd have to be holding my mic all the time showing my range just like this it's like oh weird oh this i'd say it'd be hella close to the screen <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm i'm with mt also because there's probably some truth to how you guessed uh when we were talking about my situation but i would also guess that like when you're home alone you are wearing it and you're like like rocking out like moving around the apartment <laughs> like yo check me out that's the kind of because that's because that's also what i would do so i feel like there's some <laughs> some some synergy happening here and that would be my guess so what's the truth are you dancing with the ring at home nat or what's what's your move no you know i i'm not a big jewelry person in general and i think it's really gaudy i mean it's just like <laughs> it's it's so overstated so um you know it's like i'm like one of those people like with designers i don't like like the logos and everything that's just so out there so um but i am cocky about like sports and like you know if i do something so i could definitely see me like if i'm on a pod just like having it there like even if i'm not wearing it like as a flex i would definitely just have it to flex like for people to know that i'm better than you i won um i'm the shit but it would only be like situations where it makes sense for me to have it to flex but to actually like just wear it no because it's like not my style at all it's like way too much i love the last 30 seconds of your answer of if we go backwards it's not my style it's too much also i like to say i'm the shit and i beat your ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah the duality of that the MD, MD will tell us that he's not going to he keep it cool it's in a case it's on his bookshelf something like that he's saving it for the hall of fame but I happen to know bullshit. He's definitely wearing it. But I'm like, it wouldn't be all the time. I'm, I'll keep up this number thing. You know, in the 70s, somewhere between Maxime and that, uh, certainly less than me. But it'd be there. It'd be there. You know, he'd like rest his hand on the table occasionally and, and like draw attention to where it was without saying anything. So a little bit more than halfway for MT. <sighs> Gosh, I wish I knew you guys better. So please don't like you know me so well, you know, you know me Don't get offended time. by anything I'm about to say. <laughs> but you just strike me as someone who can be like, like kind of like maybe sarcastic or douchey at times, like if you want to be, right? So like- I love this segment so much. <laughs> so like, if you want, but it would be intentional, not cause that's just like your personality, but like, you just strike me as someone who could be a smart ass. So I feel like you would use like the ring in situations like when you just wanted to be like really pompous or like a- I like this dick for lack of a better word <laughs> but like i don't know what would constitute that situation but maybe someone's like really annoying you or they're not respecting like something but like you would like bring it out in like those kinds of situations i know what it would constitute it's when he wakes up it's when he's awake it's when <laughs> that's just when it would have to happen maxine what's your guess <laughs> that's incredible and the whole time that you write i was just before bram said anything i was like my god this is bram's dream this is incredible it's, it's uh, so awesome it's so awesome i'm so sorry no you're not that was incredible <laughs> don't you uh erase that i'm sorry part i immediately do not let that go live <laughs> 
So, so I feel like right, Bram, you were saying that he would like point it out in the case, and I think that's the that's the one area where it'd be different, right? Like Noah's up here in the comments saying, "Oh, Bram, uh, Marcus's wallpaper is fire," right? And that's the type of thing. Marcus never talked about it. It just showed up one day, and all of a sudden it was in the background. And that's kind of like I mean, I know that's a large thing, and you notice it, but I feel like the ring would be the same thing. He would never have to point to it. You would just he would know that you're aware of it. Without saying anything, and I think that's the, that's where that pompous energy comes from. It's just like I know I'm better than you. I don't. It's just there. I'll let the audience guess what my favorite part of this podcast has been. Uh, MG, what's your answer? <laughs> nice, um, Nat. Yeah, no, no apologies. Now this is judgment theater for that reason. That's, that's right. Always, exactly always right. all love. Always all love. Um, yeah, you're right. I am sarcastic, but I don't think I'm pompous. But maybe I'll, I should ask other people on that. But um, super, super pompous. Maxine, Maxime is right. I would I would not oh. wear it at I wouldn't I don't like jewelry, but I would put it behind me in a case and just let people discover it for themselves. And I would kind of approach it as, uh, you know, like if you've been there before, act like you've been there before. So I have the championship. If you recognize it, then, you know, but I don't have to say anything. Let the record reflect that he said exactly what I said. It'd go in a case. Um, <laughs> I don't like jewelry either. I would wear the fuck out of that and I would be pompous and I would be hell of douchey and I'd be super insecure about it. And I would, I mean, there's no, I would, I'd be, if I win a title, the, the next time I win a fantasy title, I'll buy myself a ring and just wear that everywhere. Like I am not that proud when it comes to that thing. Final question. All right. And this leads into a segment I'm really excited to share. The question itself is quote, do the contracts for Wiggins and Poole mean that Draymond is not long for this team? Is he gone? And so I'm not qualified to give you a real answer, um, but we spoke to somebody who covers the team for a living and Connor, that segment's coming up next. Connor's going to give you his take, but I really want all of yours. So you saw those, those signings. And in fact, to give you time to think, I'm going to add something I should have said during the glass half full, something I like. One of the things I liked was what these signings indicated, right? Um, while the Warriors were giving these very calm public facing press conferences during the Draymond thing, they were working hard as fuck behind the scenes to get these things done. And I like that. Um, I watched that Lakers thing on HBO. And one of the things that stuck out to me was Jerry Buss, who breaks the fourth wall all the time. And he's looking at the camera. And at one point he says, you know what my favorite animal is? It's the swan. And he says, it's not because of how graceful or how beautiful it is, because it is. It's because if you go beneath the water, you'll see that that graceful, beautiful creature is working hella hard. Its little legs are going deep. And so the, the announcing of the signings was a swan response. You know, they were all calm up top, but underneath they were putting in real work. But that said, okay, what do you guys think? D does this mean that Draymond is gone? I think it's 50-50. So, like, the response, like, Twitter's initial response was just like, oh, Dre's gone. Um and I say 50-50 only because of the fact that, like, Dre has a player option, right? And so I don't know what the market is going to be for Draymond. And I think that's going to largely depend on how he performs this season. If there is a market for Draymond, that also allows him to be on a team that's going to let him play deep into the postseason, then potentially... Right. Like I like I don't think he's going to get 27 million, but like let's say someone offers him a contract, you know, two to three years and it's like 20 per year, because I think the the security, the yeah. overall value of the contract. And if the Warriors are unwilling to like offer something like that, restructure his deal, then I think potentially. Um, but the other side of that is that, like you mentioned earlier, 
winning can cure all. It can change things. It's a long season. But I don't think winning will just be enough here. Like, I think Draymond's going to have to do something he's never done. And that's humble himself, right? Like, right now, I don't think the situation as is is tenable. Like, I think that report, like, to me, didn't shock me. Because if you were really paying attention to the body language during ring ceremony, like, like, on the side, like it's clear that the relationships are fractured right now in the locker room and that it's like business. I don't like, I think you can get through a season like that because their on court chemistry will be good because they just have so much history. I don't think that that can extend for like two years and it'd be like this. So I think something would have to change drastically or he's going to be gone. Yeah. It's the, I, I I agree with you. And I think something that, that 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 stays in my mind is that we just saw this documentary that clearly TNT was okay with, right? And somebody in TNT, I'm sure multiple people at TNT looked at it and said, "This is this is ridiculous. We can't air this." But the reason they did is because they are investing in him. We sure. just saw Chuck get a 10-year, hundred million dollar contract to be on TNT. So those are the types of numbers. Look, Draymond's not going to get that in his first TNT contract, but those are the types of numbers that he might be able to anticipate someday if he continues to maintain and nurture that relationship and succeed in his post-basketball career. Which is to say, this could be one of those rare situations where Draymond just says, okay, I'm not getting value from another team because nobody can maximize my value like the Warriors. Maybe I'm going to exercise my player option, but that might actually be the end of it. I'm going to bow out early and just go all in on my career that he's already clearly uh, maturing at, before our eyes and just sort of say, okay, let's do it because I can make as much money doing that as I could for my last contract playing basketball. Yeah, I agree. I think the, I think it's, I think he stays and I think the, the offer of a max contract means more to him than the actual max contract. Hmm. Um, I think hmm. it's about the optics of him being recognized as a core and being valued and said, and the warrior saying, we will give you as much as we can because you are part of Steph, Clay and Dre. Um, So I think it's about that. And if that conversation happens, then they work it out and they figure out he opts in and then they, we tackle this and, you know, a year from now or two, you know, after the off season and they figure out how to restructure it and he stays a warrior for life. I think that's more important to, to Draymond. Um, and especially when Steph and Clay sit down and say, look, we want to do this. We, we talked about only playing for one team together and, you know, like they're going to say, let's, let's keep this going. How do we have to restructure what we're doing to get you enough for you to stay and for us to ride this out together. We're going to be our version of Tim and Manu and Tony Parker before we went to Charlotte and, you know, like, and be out and you can go make your money on TNT afterwards. Did that punch impact your vision of Steph Clandre at all MT? I'll give you a stupid example. Um, I've learned recently that if you include pictures and tweets, people tend to interact with it more. And so I get really nervous about what picture I'm going to put out there because you always want interactions, right? And the go-to one I've been using for years is the picture of Steph, Clay, and Dre sitting together looking at their rings. And it always got interactions. I've been weird about that one recently. For no good reason. There hasn't been any quotes saying, but like, it feels weird. It feels like there's a divide. Am I being silly? You know, in, in your opinion, has does this punch not impact those three uh, the, the, viewing all of them together as like the foundational pieces of the war. 
I think it has. Like Nat said, the body language is kind of, you know, like you can't misinterpret it. Yeah, If you're being honest and intellectually honest, you look at that and you say something's off. But it's because it's so fresh, you know, like time will heal those wounds and, or at least make them feel better. Um, winning will do that. And, you know, to, to me, I think Steph and Clay view it more as like embarrassment for when your sibling does something that you're not proud of them doing versus it being an irreparable like, oh, you know, like I'm not going to mess with you on that level anymore. Yeah, like, they're right. just embarrassed because person that they consider a brother did something that was out of line and they, you know, like would never do. So um, I think it's just going to take a while for it to, to, you know, like kind of just smooth over, um, but it'll never be back to what it was outside of those core three. I think those core three get back to it after they, you know, like just keep them out of the doghouse. I'm not sure. Why? I'm really not because like for one, I think that, so I think what's always honestly saved Dre is the relationship with Steph. I don't actually think Dre has like, I think Clay's like Clay and he's, huh, you know, yeah. easy. Yeah. But I think Draymond at different times has worn like war on like different people. And, but it was always Steph. Like that's really what it was. And I think he's really hurt the relationship with Steph. Like he was visibly annoyed in like that initial presser, sure. like visibly annoyed. And said and, it, that this is the kind of thing that can derail a season. I mean, you know, he didn't mince words. Right. And I just, I don't, like, I just don't know if he, like, I think, I, like, I think there's a real relationship there. But like, if we're being honest, I think part of what always saved Dre was like the value that he also added. And like that value has changed. Like he still offers value to the Warriors, but it's not, what it was so many years ago. And so like now you're less valuable and then like there's the antics and you're also not really showing that you're really sorry for anything. You're doing TNT specials. You're like celebrating with Braun on the court. Like I think for them to get past it, he really genuinely has to come showing like a different, like I said, humility. Maybe that's not right the, the right word, but I think he has to show something that he, that that's not typical for Dre. And I just don't know if he will. And maybe he will behind the scenes and not publicly. But I think like there's a real chance that like Steph is just also done too. I really do. Um, but I could be wrong. But I, I think it's more severe than like the past. You'll hear most of my takes in this next thing with Connor. But I'll say now that I split the difference between the two of you. I, the, what they've accomplished together, the wars they've gone through, everything that they have done, I don't think the relationship can be thrown out immediately. But I tell you what, the injury cannot heal until they stay off of it, until he starts showing a little bit of humility. I mean, the the, the idea that they did have that TNT thing. You know, if, if I'm the Warriors, if I'm Steph, I just want to not have to think about Draymond for a little while, you know, only on the court, not off of it. And that still isn't happening. We're still getting a lot of Dre being Dre showing us that he doesn't care. And in, unless he allows some time for that swelling to go down, you know, I, I think he could irreparably damage it. I don't think he has yet, but I think he's starting to play around with it, you know, and I, I, I really hope it doesn't get there. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it personal. Um, you know, I don't play with these guys, but they feel like family members. You know, we spend so much time with them. We, we welcome them into our house. And Draymond was the guy who gave us toughness. 
This team got pushed around my entire life, my entire life. I'm not, not, not just dynastically. They were awful. We had, we needed a bully. We really did to get out of the doghouse. And Draymond was the guy who got us there. So I have a relationship with this guy and the idea of him leaving my life in these circumstances, I don't like at all. I don't like at all, but seeing him in that fucking green suit and, you know, flirting with LeBron, it's all I want to do is forgive him. And I don't feel like he's given me the opportunity to. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Nat's point about what happened behind closed doors is important to keep in mind. We, we don't know what was said to the, yeah team during that apology and what was said to Jordan specifically. I'm hoping and giving Dre the benefit of the doubt that it was legitimate and sincere and um, genuine enough that the team believed it. And now it's just going to take time to, to get past it. But, you know, like that, that's my guess and more of a hope than it is what I think happened. So um, trying to stay positive. I tell you what, let's hear from Connor and get his take for people who don't think that a four hour podcast is too long. Stay tuned, and that take is coming up next. I am fired up to announce that rejoining me after far too long, the San Francisco Chronicles Warriors expert, a man who has covered every moment of the Warriors dynastic rise and a guy who described our last kick it session as quote unquote romantic drinks, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? For the record, it was my fiance that described it as romantic drinks. I think she was a little jealous, but uh, yeah, it's good to be here, man. It's been way too long since I've been on the pod. I'm happy to be here. So much to talk about. It's been so long. I'll be transparent with you. I changed that last little bullet point of your intro like eight times. You know, I'm always trying to get the guest's attention. I'm always trying to be a little bit clever. But because you and I have a relationship off air, that last bullet point always has so many options. So I went with the romantic drinks thing. I felt pretty good about it, but it took me a while to settle there, if I'm being honest with you. I, I, I like it. I think I think it was an A+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. For those wondering where the hell the video component on this is, Connor's a professional. He was ready. You can see he's got a good angle here. We can see his face real well. I am not shocked to no one forgot my fucking computer today. And I'm doing this for my work, which means if I'd used the computer uh, camera, you would have spent the whole time looking up my nostrils. So my apologies. We're going just audio today. Uh, with that until Connor, we need you, man. So we're on the other side of two huge signings. Two signings I didn't see coming at all. Uh, that's the pool and Wigan for your extensions. And I don't think I'm smart enough to understand the implications. So we need your help. Um, let me start here. You were ahead of this curve, man. Uh, in other podcasts, in a ton of articles that you've written, you kind of foretold the possible problems the Warriors could have as far as keeping all of their problems. So remind me, you know, re rewind the clock here. Let's go back to uh, the weekend before the Wiggins and Pool deals were signed. What was the financial landscape? What contracts were coming up? I mean, for a while there, it really looked like it was going to be a decision between Pool and Wiggins. And um, until just the past couple of weeks, I really felt like they were going to have a hard time getting either of the Pool or Wiggins deals done in time for the for the season to start and they were going to enter the season with all these huge questions hanging over them and ultimately they're probably going to have to decide between pool and wiggins because there's just a financial reality here 
Um, they're not, they can't keep all their core players together. Uh, the, the kind of cliff notes version of the situation is that if they kept everyone together as is, they would have a total payroll next season. And by next season, I mean, 2023, 24 of around $500 million. So a half a billion dollars. The Warriors have said million, a million times that they're trying to keep that number right around, if not below 400 million. Uh, they had a total payroll last season of around 365 million, which was an NBA record. So that just kind of puts things into context. And um, so they got to make some changes. And now that, now that you have Wiggins and pool locked in, you know, that, that I don't want to give anything away right now, but that definitely tells us some things that, that I'm sure we'll get into shortly. Good. Go for it. Make that leap right now. I mean, that's exactly where I'm going. So these Wiggins are now, are these Wiggins, these deals are now done. How do you read the tea leaves financially? What does this indicate to you as far as who gets kept and what happens as we go forward here on a basic level? It's not really that complicated. And I honestly just wrote a story detailing this. It should publish online shortly. Draymond's gone. Uh, this is a short-term marriage at this point with Draymond. Yeah, all signs point to him being the odd man out for a myriad of factors. Um, but just on a basic financial level, even before he punched Jordan Poole in practice a couple weeks ago, um, if it was going to be a situation where if it was going to be a situation where Poole and Wiggins were going to be locked down long-term, it was pretty clear that Draymond would be the odd man out in that situation. Um, just because, for one thing, his contract is more tradable than Clay Thompson's. Um, and keep in mind, Clay Thompson and Draymond are the two only guys we can talk about in this scenario because they're the only two guys with huge uh, contracts where if you unloaded them, it would significantly reduce the Warriors overall payroll. And then obviously, you know, with Wiggins and Poole being locked up and then Steph Curry being Steph Curry, those guys are untouchable. So those are the only two guys you can even really talk about at this point. Um, and even before the punch, I think it would have been green over clay because of what I just talked about, about the contract being tradable. And also, uh, you know, I think that clay, even after the injuries is probably going to age better. And then, you know, you, you factor in kind of the locker room dynamics as well. That obviously became even more of a talking point in the wake of the pool punch. Um, so uh, right now in the wake of the pool punch, it's 100% clear to me that it's going to be Draymond. So treat me like a child, Connor, you know, my mind doesn't work this fast. Slow down for me. All right. So, as far as money problems now, because Draymond's got an option to opt in next year for what, about $27 million. If he does that, let's say Draymond sees all this stuff, but just still decides, you know what, I want the $27 million. Won't that still push us over into the luxury tax? Won't that still get us close to that $500 million tax deal that they're trying to avoid? Um, so if, if Draymond's just completely not on the roster – next season keep in mind when i say next season i'm, I'm talking about 2023 20, 24 um not this season right um they're going to be right around 400 uh million yep. maybe a little bit over um but they can stomach that you know they can't stomach north of 500 but if it's like let's say 410 405 something like that they can they can deal with that and there are other kind of cost cutting measures they could make 
Um, Clay would obviously put them probably significantly below 400. Um, but I don't think that that difference is going to really factor that much. I mean, the other way though, what happens if he opts in? Because it's on Draymond, right? He can decide, you know what? I'm playing. So if that's what makes this whole situation so fascinating, right? Yeah. And, and, and Bob Myers had a interesting quote yesterday where he basically said, look, Draymond's fine. Draymond still has power. Like he's got the player option. That's, that's a player's dream in this situation. And he's right. Um, and you know, given how things are shaken out, given how, you know, teams view Draymond, um, both in terms of just kind of the fact that in some ways he's a niche player. And then also, um, everything that's happened with, with the punch and the aftermath with the TMZ video, his market value isn't great right now. (laughs) And so, um, you know, the, the reality is that his best financial option would probably be to, Opt in yeah. to his player option, um, but there's there's I, and the way I see it is there's a couple ways this is gonna go right. So the Warriors just given the situation with other teams and their salary cap circumstances, um, there's only two teams out there with enough salary cap space to take on Draymond right now. That would be the San Antonio Spurs and Indiana Pacers. He's not going to either of those teams, oh. so he's not going to be traded during this season. Uh, this is going to be a situation where the Warriors are going to just have to try to, you know, play nice all season. There's been a lot of metaphors made about this kind of being like uh, a couple, a married couple that stays together for the kids. Uh, it's kind of like that. Like they have to stay together this final season, try to win one more title, you know, play nice, be cordial and all those good things, um, knowing that the the end is probably imminent. Um, you know, even if they win um, – even if they win a title and Draymond Green helps them, um, I think it's going to go one of two ways. Either um, Draymond's going to be like, you know what? It's time for a change. The, I'm tired of the bad blood. I'm tired of the animosity. I'm just not going to opt in yep. my player option. I'm going to go test free agency. I'm going to see what's out there. I'm going to probably sign like a multi-year deal somewhere um, and, and just move on. That's possible. It's also possible that he opts in. Keep in mind, he could opt in at any point. He could opt in tonight if he wanted. Yep. He can opt in at any time. He he. Uh, it's also possible he opts in, and the Warriors have to figure out how to trade him while he's opted in. Um, it's also possible that the Warriors negotiate something with him where they basically say, "Look, we're we can't afford you at twenty seven point six million dollars, which is just a." factual reality they if he opts in they can't afford to pay him that next season so if he opts in they're gonna have to trade him um and so if he one option is they basically negotiate with him and they say look don't opt in what we're gonna do is we're going to sign you to a multi-year deal where you're gonna get more money over a longer period of time yep so we can kind of make both both parties happy where our payroll isn't completely unwieldy um but uh, you know, you're still getting more money than you probably would otherwise. And so, uh, you know, in that situation, you're probably looking at a front loaded deal, you know, something like, uh, you know, maybe like a 60 million four four year, $60 million deal where like 40 million is guaranteed, something like that. Maybe sure. that last year is non-guaranteed type type situation. Um, but there's, 
just based off what I've seen, the vibe I'm getting from from the team and everything, a lot would have to happen for both parties to feel comfortable committing to like, you know, four more years after this year, you know, at least a few more years after this year. Um, this really does feel like the last year. Because and that that I opt really, out thing is what I was discussing this weekend, you know, after these two deals came out. Um, and you and I texted a little bit, and all of I think Warriors fans' assumptions is that this may mean the end of the road for Draymond. And one of the the outs that I was talking about with friends, and it's exactly what you just described. Well, maybe Draymond can come in and say, "Okay, you know, I'll take less," and he can frame it as this is for the team, and you know, I know that the team needs more money for the supporting cast, but it's kind of a benefit for him too. You know, you're you're getting although you you don't get the twenty seven million up front, you are getting a guarantee that you're you know you're going to get a lot of more money for four years as opposed to just one you're going to be here for a while you don't think that's a possibility this isn't this isn't the easiest solution for both sides no i mean i i understand that um but i don't think i don't think it can be overstated how much damage has already been hmm. done yeah i mean that it's not just the actual punch itself it's everything that comes with it it's um it's the tmz video being leaked and then millions of people seeing it all the public embarrassment that causes for everyone involved you know the fact that he punched jordan pool you know it's not like nothing against patrick baldwin jr but it's not like he punched patrick baldwin jr or anthony lamb or something like he punched jordan pool who is a 23-year-old wonder kid who this team is pretty confident is going to be a multi-time all-star who they believe is the future of their next generation, who they believe is going to take over the mantle as the face of the franchise when Steph Curry leaves. At this point, Jordan Poole has a lot more sway in that locker room Hmm. than Draymond Green. If Jordan Poole had gone to them after that punch and said, I can't play with Draymond anymore, Draymond would be on his way out. And if Jordan Poole woke up one day this season was like, I'm done playing with this guy. I'm so sick of his SHIT. Draymond would be gone. He has that much sway. And I believe that by the moment that he punched Jordan Poole in the face and crossed that line, the way he did in the manner he did it, he lost his title as a locker room leader of this team. He lost his title as the heart and soul of this team. He lost all of that. He is just a guy now who shows up and tries to win basketball games with the Warriors. That's all he is. He's a good player. He's a helpful player. He will hopefully help them win, win a title this year, but he is no longer the the heart and soul, the dude. That is over. That is That's done. It doesn't surprise me to hear, but it makes me kind of sad to hear. And as a random follow-up, and maybe the most important thing I'm going to tell you, if I haven't demonstrated to you that you're allowed to say the word shit on this podcast yet, you know, that you're out here spelling profanities, man. You've been on the show like 4,000 times. I'm used to being on the radio and like TV. And We're way better than that. They're kind of no-nos there. So yeah, I, no, I, drop, I drop F-bombs have. if you like. Um, but you've already answered this question, but I want to put it to you anyways, because it was one I was excited to hear a response to. So I see these deals, right? They get announced. And my first thought is, oh, everything's good again. It's copacetic. You know, Poole wants to be here. Wiggins wants to be here. The locker room must be fine. You know, Warriors culture undefeated. Do you think there's any truth in that? Do these do these deals signify to you that, you know, things are calming down again? Or are they two, you know, apples to oranges? Are these two different categories? Not at all. Because the reality is these deals would have happened if – 
rather whether or not Draymond punched Jordan Poole in practice two weeks ago, they would have happened. Um, you know, the the pool contract extension was already on its way. Um, and then the Wiggins thing, my understanding is that happened more in recent days and obviously kind of on the rate under the radar, but that happened more because the Warriors did a pretty thorough job of vetting the market for this summer. And they just realized that there's going to be a lot of teams this summer with available salary cap space and not a lot of great players available. And someone like Wiggins is would get the bag, the absolute bag in, uh, in free agency. And so they just didn't want to mess around with that. And I think, they were already leaning toward investing in those two over Draymond. I think for obvious reasons, a they're younger B um, you know, they're, they don't kind of come with the baggage that Draymond does. Um, I think Draymond even showed a little bit in the finals and really throughout the playoffs that his play is slipping. I'm not, I mean, he wasn't bad. He he was helpful, but he did have some pretty bad games at a, at a high, at a big stage, which we're not used to seeing. From him, I think that that was a little bit of a preview of what's to come. I mean, this is a guy who plays much bigger than he is, and that's always been the concern with him is that he was going to be in line for a steep decline in his mid to late 30s. And I think that, you know, at 32, you're kind of starting to see the beginning of that. And uh, so, you know, I I don't think he was ever going to – and also you have to factor in he was already going out, talking to media – lobbying for trying to get a max deal that was never going to happen he's not the type of guy who is going to take very kindly to that i'm not going to go as far as saying that he punched jordan Poole because of the contract stuff but it's human nature for something like that to be subconscious i mean if you're in a workplace and someone who is less established in the office than yourself who maybe doesn't have the body of work you have, who maybe hasn't contributed as much to the company um, gets a big raise over you. You're going to feel that you're going to be a little annoyed. Maybe you're not so much angry at that person, but maybe there's just a little bit of resentment that builds. It's not really that person's fault, but they're just kind of a byproduct of what's happening in the office. A little annoyed. I think that, I think you have to, you have to understand that, this is a workplace still. Yes. It's a different type of workplace than going to a nine to five job. Um, but those dynamics still exist. And uh, I think that Draymond, obviously I'm, I'm speculating a little bit here, but it would be completely understandable, especially given who Draymond is um, that he would not take too kindly to the Warriors prioritizing Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole over him. I mean, well, I made think it very clear what he wanted. If we had Sigmund Freud on this fucking podcast, we wouldn't be able to tell exactly what that power dynamic you were just describing, you know, how that may have led to the punch. But as far as human nature and whether or not I can identify it, I think we both know, of course I can. There are people in my office, Connor, I still hate for having used the urinal that I normally use. You know, if someone was in line, they were younger and suddenly in, in space to make more money than me. And at the same time, I was expected to hand over my legacy to them. Would I have some animosity? Of course I would. This is Shakespearean shit, man. 
you yeah. know that this it's it's legacy it's money it's power dynamics it's you know mentor mentee stuff i nobody i think can adequately describe to us exactly what led to the punch but i also think even though draymond has said it didn't play a role that everything you just described had to i mean that i can't imagine it didn't uh but yet and still and i agree that the I've, I've talked about the draymond thing a ton everybody knows my feelings on it but hearing that this could be the end of the road for Draymond, who feels like a family member at this stage, still bothers me, Matt. It makes me sad if that makes any sense. It's it's like watching uh, a falling out with a family member on the biggest stage possible. Yep. It's it's yep. crazy. Um, but there are certain things that happen in family dynamics that you can't really come back from. Yeah. And I'm really tired of hearing people just saying that we're overblowing this, saying it's not that big a deal. They'll get over it. BS. Okay. Bullshit. <laughs> All right. This is uh, uh Connor, don't say this, shit, please. Spell this that. This is out. not, I purposely said it because you gave me permission <laughs> earlier. I this is not something that's ever going to go away. The internet lives forever. That video will always be out there. This is a part of Draymond Green's legacy now. I mean, he will eventually be inducted to the hall of fame deservedly so and there will be people in the background being like do you remember the punch though like it is part of his legacy forever and it's unfortunate but it's true and um you know this is not i don't think this is the type of thing the team is ever going to fully recover from now can they deal with it well enough to still win a title Yes, in part because I think they're the most talented team in the league. Yeah. Their eighth and ninth men are better than most teams' fifth and sixth. Like they should win the title, and I very well think they could. But I just don't think that those players in that locker room are ever going to fully forget what what happened. And you know, you can even tell just based off how guys are talking. You know, people like Kevon Looney and Stephen Curry are very precise in their wording especially when they're talking in a public setting and the way they're talking right now is like someone who has gone through a traumatic event with a loved one yep you know and that's that those feelings are real and there's you know you were talking about how kind of fascinated you are by this storyline I mean, I don't know if, know if you've noticed this, but like my role now, I do a lot of non-Warriors Enterprise and I swoop in on, on Warriors topics. And But I'm not writing on a day-to-day basis about the Warriors like I used to, but I have been since this happened because yeah. I just find the entire thing so fascinating, so important. There are real legacies at stake here. This is huge. And I put everything else I was working on on the shelf and I've just been working on this exclusively because there's so many different layers to unpeel. Like yesterday I wrote a Jordan Poole column about how, you know, in a lot of ways this entire situation reinforced his importance and why he's the guy you need to invest in. You know, today I wrote a column outlining a lot of what we just talked about, about why this is probably the beginning of the end for Draymond's future with the team. Um, And, you know, one thing we haven't really talked about, maybe it's old news now, but like how the Warriors handled this whole thing was fascinating to me because it was so egregiously wrong and they even knew it was wrong and they still did it. And they basically said, 
I mean, without saying the exact words, they basically said, look, we know this is not a proper punishment, but we got to do what we got to do. And the the underlying, the underlying message there and props to my colleague, Ann Killian, who wrote a column getting, getting at this. And I thought she did a good job getting at this was the underlying message there on a basic level is we are worried about how Draymond Green will react if we punish him too much. And if we punish him too much, he will react in such a negative manner because he's so immature that it will derail our season before it even starts. So therefore, we need to go light on him, not even officially punish him, which by not even using the word suspend, you have trivialized the entire situation. Um. You know, the and it's basically because they're worried about how Draymond's going to react. That's the only explanation. Do you think if when the story was first leaked, the video accompanied it, right? Because the, the sequence of this thing was we heard the story. Then we heard the Warriors response to it. And they suggested right up front, there probably won't be suspensions. Then the video releases and then they stick by there's not going to be a suspension. So change the order, right? Let's say the video and the story comes out at the same time before the Warriors announce anything, before they say this is what we're going to do. Do you think there would have been a suspension? You know, is there a portion of this where they're they're sticking by what they said before the video came out and now they're kind of trapped by that, that first quote? Not only would there not have been a suspension, he would have been in practice that Saturday. <laughs> they said that he was going to be in practice that Saturday, the yeah. day before the video was released. They said he wasn't going to miss any games and they said he'd be in practice that Saturday. He was literally going to miss one practice, which is absurd when you think about the fact that Jordan Bell was suspended for charging a candle to Mike Brown's room at a hotel. Okay. Well, and you know what really sticks with me? Change the context. Exact same thing. Okay. Exact same punch, exact same result. The person he punched goes down, but take it out of the practice, put it into a nationally televised game and have it be adverse an opponent. You know, let's say he gets into some heated exchange and he punches somebody and drops them in the middle of the game. When it's not up to the team, it would have been up to the league, right? To give a suspension. It would have been the rest of the fucking year. You know, we would have been looking at at least like a 50 game, some kind of um, we have to set a message suspension that would have gone out. And the only thing that changed is where it happened. You know, it, it happened not to be in a game. It was left up to the team. So, no, the actions, I I unfortunately agree that maybe the suspension was a little light uh, and or the lack of a suspension, the punishment was a little light. Bobby Portis was suspended eight games and there, we didn't even see a video of that. Right. You yeah. know, um, I think it should have been at least eight. I mean, at least. Um, but, you know, I, I the, the entire way they've handled this has, has bothered me because this is a this is a franchise that has upheld itself justifiably yeah. as you know a model organization as a team that cares about the right things that yeah. has integrity that does the right things and this was a situation where they just didn't they just didn't handle it right and they seem to have an awareness of it. I mean, they openly said, look, we are open to criticism. Say whatever you want to say. But it's like, I mean, I understand why they proceeded the way they did, but I just think that at a certain point, if you really want to be that franchise, if you want to be a true model franchise, you got to uphold yourself to those standards at all times, even when it's difficult. Take me to the other side. 
Tell me about the contracts. Um, were you surprised? Let me start here. That Wiggins got less money than Poole because I was. I, I was surprised that Wiggins even signed. I didn't know they were negotiating. I thought that would be an issue for that came out of nowhere. Yeah, um, I had heard just the past couple, like a day or two before that they were talking again, but I didn't know it would be that imminent. Um, yeah, that came out of nowhere. Um, it kind of just speaks to Wiggins, though. Like everything about Wiggins is so under the radar. I'm not surprised at all. That, that um, you know, and also, like, keep in mind that when things like this are being reported on, either that person or someone around that person has to be talking to people. Yeah. Wiggins doesn't talk to media, <laughs> and no one around him really talks to media. I thought you were going to edit that Wiggins just doesn't talk, and I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he keeps a very tight circle, and those people, partly because of his wishes, do not talk to people. I remember a couple of years ago, I tried to do a big profile on him and I did the simple thing that I always do when I profile someone. I said, Hey, can I get some numbers for like people close to you? Like, you know, parents, high school coach, blah, blah, blah. And he just was like, no. <laughs> that um, makes me almost like Wiggins. I was like, okay. If you asked me that question, if I was that person, if you're like doing a profile on me and you hit me with that, give me some numbers for people, you know, who will back you. I get super nervous about it. Like, even when you said it now, like, I'm not even sure whose numbers I'd give you. It'd feel like I was building a resume, but I don't want to get too far from that issue. So when you saw the numbers get released, were you surprised that Wiggins got less money than pool? Not really, honestly, huh. um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I feel like Poole really benefited from the hero contract. I mean, the hero thing is recency bias. They're very similar players in a lot of ways, just even going back out to the fact that they're both from Milwaukee around the same age, similar type of player in certain ways, certain ways, except pools. I think most people would agree that pools better than hero, at least slightly better, maybe not way better, but he is at least a little bit better. So I thought, I thought that his numbers made sense you know i thought that they were a little bit higher than hero um did i was i a little surprised by how low wiggins numbers were yeah but i also think that wiggins comes from a standpoint where he already had his big contract like he already has generational wealth like he, he already signed a 148 million dollar deal and then given everything that he's gone through in his career given how perfect of a fit perfect of a fit the Warriors are not just from a basketball standpoint, but from a just general ethos standpoint, you know, I can understand him being willing to take a little bit less to make that happen. And Wiggins isn't necessarily the type of guy who would handle the scrutiny that would come with, uh, you know, him entering the season as a potential free agent very well. You know, it's already actually been a topic. I'll, I'll fall on the sword here. I, I was probably the first person to write about his future back in February and I had a bunch of people like tweeting me that story from February acting like I was an idiot because because I wrote about like, could he be in the long term plans? And I'm like, nothing I wrote there was inaccurate. <laughs> All I said was that it was a talking point within the organization and that it was something they had to deal with. I didn't say that he was gone. <laughs> Can't you imagine you know? like if you'd be a fly on the wall in the meeting he had with his agent and, you know, there, it was like. His agent said, look, man, you're coming off the, the best finals appearance you could possibly have. You are fucking entering your prime. You are now viewed as this defensive three and D wing who can also score. You are exactly what every team wants. We can go out there. We can get way more money. And then response Wiggins was like, 
I like it here. It's like whatever they take, you know, like some like super straightforward. The funny thing too is that Pool and Wiggins have the exact same agent. Huh? Yeah. Uh, God, so how the hell do these Wiggins and Pool are like close friends? Like so why? Why are each other's it, probably best friends on the team? If why wouldn't why wouldn't it be this this um, snowball thing? You know, Hero goes, then Pool gets his contract, and then okay. Pool just got, you know, 130 or one, whatever it is before the incentives. Why wouldn't Wiggins get, I don't know, a few million more? Isn't he more valuable? I mean, Myers even expressed surprise that it came together as quickly as it did with Wiggins. He's <laughs> like, I didn't expect them to it to happen on the same day. Um, because they've been talking to Pool since they got back from Japan. And they, my understanding is they just the past couple of days just started talking to Wiggins again. But that's kind of how Wiggins operates i mean just as a person i know he has his agent doing a lot of the negotiating but this is a guy just to give you a little insight on andrew wiggins this is a guy who was the number one recruit in the nation coming out of high school right by far like people thought he was a borderline generational talent probably the biggest high school prospect since lebron fucking maple jordan they they compared him to jordan yeah and bill self from kansas was recruiting him so hard and couldn't get a call back from Wiggins at all had no idea didn't even think Kansas had a chance had thought they had no chance then he gets a call from like I think I think not even Andrew himself I believe his his dad or something and was like oh yeah Andrew's coming to Kansas and Bill Self was like what like really are you serious like this guy won't return my calls you know what I mean like he thought he thought what everyone else thought which was that he was going to uh he was going to uh, Florida state because that's where his parents went. Um, But yeah, I mean, I could kind of see it being something like that where it's like, you know, Bob Myers gets a call from the uh, Wiggins agent and his, his agents like, yeah. So Wiggins is like, cool with whatever, man. Yeah. Want to throw him like one Oh nine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take the one ten. And Myers is like, what? It's like, I don't worry about it. We'll take it. We uh, we're on board. And as far as feeling bad about a past piece that you may have been wrong about, if it makes you feel any better. So, you know, the Draymond punch happens and a couple of people reach out to me and my first takes kind of were, well, Jordan Bull is definitely leaving. Like, there's no way they keep him. So huge wrong on that. And then when they signed the pool thing, I think one of the things I told a friend was, well, that means there's probably not enough money for Wig. And then before I could finish that fucking sentence, the Wiggins deal gets announced. So I know nothing is the lesson per usual. Yeah, I mean, none of us really know anything. <laughs> I mean, all this stuff is so fluid. Even if you're hearing something from a very reliable source, it could change tomorrow. Well, I tell you, so this is conversational whiplash, but I absolutely need your take. So despite our uh, our romantic interludes and the amount of time that we get to spend with one another off the mic, on the mic, it's been tough to get you back on. And because of that, we were unable to figure out a day and a time to get your takes in our championship pod, which finally released today. And it's one of the, I, I love that pod. I couldn't be more proud of it. But it bothers me that we don't have your voice on it, man. You are, you know, you're my favorite guest. So I want to ask you now. All right, I'm going to get a couple of takes in because these are the questions that were thrown out there. One of them was looking back um, on it. I know we got limited time here, so I'll keep it just to this question. Looking back at that title run, what moments stuck out? Don't limit yourself to the playoffs if you don't want. It doesn't have to be your favorite moments or anything like that. Just the things that have uh, have you know, seared themselves into your memory. What moments from the 2022 championship are there? You know, the warrior, the Chronicle came out with this like uh, 
commemorative edition. Actually, I have it. Those watching on YouTube, I have it right here. Golden Revival. Oh, uh, this commemorative edition book. Um, sorry, sorry for this shameless plug there. Um, but I was looking through it, and it just reminded me like how much happened last season. Like it was a very interesting season in a lot of ways. And I think to me, the stories that stick out the most are Clay Thompson's return. That first game back was really special. Just everything that all the emotions that went into that. And then Steph breaking the three pointers record in New York, in Madison square garden on that stage, like the way the NBA handled it with giving him that huge pause after he broke it. Like it was just super cool. And though I honestly think that those are the moments that I will probably remember the most from last season, even maybe more than the finals, even though the finals was really cool and special. The coolest moment for me during the championship was just Steph breaking down in tears on the court, Yeah, you know, because you could just really see in that moment how much this one meant. And I've covered this team. I've, I've covered the team a little bit in 2016. And then I was the beat writer in 17, 18, 19 for those finals rounds and championship runs. And when Durant was around, it was never like, you know, you go in the locker room after they won the title. And it, you know, you're like, it's cool. Like they're happy, but it's just kind of like they, they were expected to do it. So you can only be so excited. Sure. Yeah. And now, you know, this past season, they, they surprised a lot of people and they had to overcome so much to get there. I mean, this is the first team in NBA history that had ever gone from being the worst team in the league to winning the title in a two-year span. It's pretty incredible. Or, you know, it's pretty incredible when you think about it like that. And I was, you know, I believe I was the only person, the only media member to have traveled to every road game in that league worst season before the pandemic shut down the league. Um, Because other outlets just started pulling people from games because they were so bad. So, but I had to be, I had to write about Eric Pascal every day. <laughs> I remember just that season just being so painfully awful. And just to juxtapose that against what we witnessed this past season is pretty poor, pretty ridiculous. I mean, Willie Cauley Stein was getting big minutes on that Warriors team. Kai Bowman was starting games. Like uh, here's your best sign. How bad they were. I desperately try to get myself into Warriors practice all the time. You know, I shoot emails and sometimes they let me in during that season. They sent me emails, you know, here, here's our media availability. Here's when you might be able to show up. And so like, no, that's, that's all you need to see. Connor, I promised to get you out of here by five 15. We're at five 13. I'm going to keep my promise. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. And let's put it this way. I'm not alone for people who need way more Laterno in their life. Where do they go? Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron. Read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. And yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna be, you know, staying locked and loaded as long as this Draymond stuff is is pertinent. I just find it so fascinating for all the reasons that we discussed, but I also will have a lot of non-warriors enterprise. So I you know I appreciate you. Love you, man. Thank you. Go take care of your family. We'll talk to you soon. All right, appreciate it. All right, man. Matt. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. Um, I we did owe you the apology, but far more. I wanted to spend time with you. Uh, this has been nothing but a pleasure. I am sure I'm not the only one thinking that way. For people who need far more Nat Fluential in their life, where do they go? 
Uh, yeah, Natfluential. That's the handle spelled the way that it sounds. Um, follow me on Twitter. The pot, the podcast is all NatPod. I do actually have like some news that's coming soon. So like my pod will be rebranding. I can't like say everything that's coming. But yeah, big news. A lot of exciting things happening. Um, I'll be starting a new role. So you'll be seeing me kind of more on a national level um that also i can announce next week so it's just a bunch of things like you having me on like right before i can announce everything but yeah there's a lot coming so just follow me and you'll hear about it if you like what i had to say and thank you for the time i love being on with you guys thank you so much remember that we were here before the announcement when you go big i want you to come back to your grassroots for us remember you want to shoot us an email get us a question tell us we did a good job bad job any job you can send that to huddle at warriorshuddle.com we also now have this YouTube channel. Um, we're going to be tweeting that out periodically. Our Twitter account is at Warriors Huddle. Uh, we also have a website. It's uh, mtisadouche.com. Check that out at your leisure whenever you want to. Uh, do we actually, is there a YouTube designation, uh, Maxime? Is there a channel or something like that? Or they you just put me on the spot. We will, we will put up a URL. We haven't figured it out yet, but um, if you search Warriors Huddle, you can find us. Last thing, um, and so I don't do this too frequently, but I want to give props to a random ass company. Yeah, so I'm one of those assholes who has an electric scooter. Those people you hate, you know, you're seeing on the side. Like I am one of those people. When you see me, you probably want to hit me with my car. I had a little bit of drama with mine, and the company U Scooter gave me awesome fucking customer service. So they're not giving me a dollar for this. They're, I'm not getting anything out of it. You know, there's no upside, but I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so bitter most of the time, you know, and say all these nasty things that I wanted to show the other side a little appreciation. So I love their product. Love what they did for me, for what it's worth. Usecooter.com. Um, check that out. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week. Good, good.